What we want to do right now is continue the fun by bringing on one of our good friends. It's Connor O'Gara from Saturday Down South, a frequent guest here on the program. He joins us now on the Auburn Bank phone line. Connor, how are things going for you today on this Thursday, my friend? Uh, gentlemen, things are going well. You know, I, I've been saying for the last few weeks that they're not going as well for me as they are, let's say, Tennessee fans. <laughs> but for like the previous 20 years, I think I've had them beat in that argument. Talk to me about exactly. You really have had them beat in that argument. So let's go back to that game then. The third Saturday in October, what were you feeling? What were you just being able to watch all of that unfold? The fact that Tennessee actually was able to defeat Nick Saban in a football game. Boy, that was strange. It it really was. And I I think there was that moment where Dallas Turner picks up the football, waltzes into the end zone, where all of us watching just kind of said ah that was fun yeah too bad you know that would have been a cool thing to kind of see Tennessee fight back and uh, see the craziness that would have unfolded in Knoxville like I don't have a dog in the fight but that just would have been cool and everybody you know I I realize I'm preaching to the choir here but there's a certain interest level when Alabama was on the ropes and to see Hendon Hooker respond the way that he did to see that defense even respond the way that they did to kind of get that underrated stop late in that game where in the past defense actually played very good bend but don't break defense, to me it's a testament to Josh Heupel. And we wondered about if he was going to be this guy who was going to be able to deal with the ebbs and flows of that job, which are extremely unique. And Auburn fans know a thing or two about uh, a coach having to deal with that, ride the highs and, and be able to kind of get you through those lows. And, and Josh Heupel in year two to come off with that victory, to me, Man, I, I just can't say enough good things about him. I think he's the national coach of the year right now. We'll kind of wait and see what plays out for this Tennessee team. But I said coming into the year that I thought they were going to be Georgia. So that is only – I think we've, we've only seen evidence these last two months that have confirmed that they're going to have a really good chance against the Dogs. So it's been a fun year uh, for those on Rocky Top and one that I'm sure was uh, a very long time to make. You set me up for the next talking point there with that big game coming up against Georgia for Tennessee. Nine days away from that one taking place. I was going to ask you, hey, you think Tennessee can actually win this football game nine days out? What would your prediction be? So I would imagine that you're still singing Rocky Top for next Saturday. Yeah, I'm sticking to it. I, I just, I've been blown away by what this offense has been able to do without Cedric Tillman because for my money, he was one of the three or four best receivers, not just in the SEC, but in all of college football coming into this year. And I said as recently as the LSU game, man, they're really going to miss him. And they, they need that guy on the outside that can take the top off the defense. And then Jalen Hyatt has happened. And what he's been doing has just been Bolitnikoff worthy. It's been really special. And obviously everybody knows about Hendon Hooker, the, the soon-to-be 25-year-old quarterback has just been everything that Tennessee fans could have hoped for and more. And that, that scheme is working. And Josh Heupel and Alex Golish deserve a lot of credit for being able to tap into the right personnel and make that thing go. But yeah, I think Tennessee has the, the, the weapons on the outside to kind of exploit Georgia and a team that we've seen if you're going to beat them, you got to be able to go over the top. You're not going to beat them with some air raid offense where you're trying to dink and dunk your way down the field. you got to be willing to take those chances. We saw that with Tennessee against Alabama. And I think we see it again next week with Tennessee against Georgia. 
Connor, I'm going to come back to this weekend because there's a decent slate of games coming up this weekend. But since we're talking about that Georgia-Tennessee weekend, what are your thoughts on basically having a, you know, not the not the end-all be-all, but what it feels like the SEC East championship game versus the SEC West deciding game with LSU and Alabama and Georgia and Tennessee? It's kind of crazy the way that this has played out. And all of a sudden for Georgia, Florida is the team that they can't afford to sleep on. I mean, that's that's how crazy things have changed, how much things have changed in these last two years. But it, it's setting up for a great slate. And on the LSU side, nobody in their right mind would have said in the middle of the third quarter of that Florida State game, hey, you realize like when you guys host Alabama – it's actually going to be a, a monumental game for the SEC West, and it's kind of turning into an SEC West title game of sorts. Nobody would have predicted that. And I think that Brian Kelly deserves a lot of credit because he had a team that easily could have fallen apart at the seams. They had 39 scholarship players in that bowl game. They lost 10 guys to the NFL draft, and they did it with the transfer portal, and they did it by keeping some of those key pieces from the previous regime together and engaged. And even though Kayshawn Booty still has not had the year that they hoped he'd have, he's still out there. And he was still the most targeted player in that game last week where they just stormed back against the top 10 Ole Miss team. So, yeah, it's going to be a fascinating weekend of football next weekend. It feels like this weekend is the appetizer for us. Yeah, and now I want to bring it back to this weekend. Is and you mentioned it there a little uh, just in that last answer, but Georgia's going down to Jacksonville to take on the Florida Gators, as it, you know it traditionally has been. Although there's there's some headlines out there that it may be moving in, here in the near future, but as for right now, it, it is still in Jacksonville. And like you said, this is a team that uh, the Georgia Bulldogs. That on paper you say, yeah, Georgia's got this, but it's a team that you can't afford to sleep on them. Yeah, you know, and that's that's what I wonder about because. Look at the, re- the the five recent games in this rivalry. I think Florida has always had at least one reason to play tight. And whether that was 2017 when Jim McElwain is on the way out last year, where Dan Mullen was on the way out, and then the three games in between that where we talk about division titles, that was kind of a division championship game. And there was always that reason to think that one mistake could either cost your head coach his job or cost your team a chance at going to Atlanta. And they don't have that this year. They don't. And and I realize this game always has high stakes, and it absolutely does for Georgia, but I wonder how that impacts the Florida side. And I wonder if that allows Anthony Richardson to play a little bit loose, if that defense plays like a team that has nothing to lose, and we don't really worry about their lack of depth that they have. I wonder if that really impacts them in this game, because on paper it sets up well for Georgia. That's why this spread is 22 points. The biggest in spreads have been tracked. Dating, dating back to 1995. But I, I think that this game comes down to whether or not Florida can kind of play loose and Anthony Richardson has to avoid the catastrophic mistakes that he made in this game last year for Florida to have a chance. And then I want to go back to another team we just talked about a moment ago, Tennessee Volunteers. You know, we, we hear coaches all the time. We, you know, we, we talk in the media about you can't overlook this opponent. Well, you know, in, in our questions here, we kind of did just overlook an opponent because we went to that Georgia-Tennessee game. But Tennessee's got a tough test this coming Saturday against Kentucky. Is, is this a team that Tennessee should be worried about? Yes, dangerous matchup, really dangerous, because this is a Kentucky team that can do a lot of similar things that Tennessee can. And I'm not saying that they're as explosive, but they have three legitimate stud receivers who can hit that home run play. They have an NFL quarterback. They have a scheme that has some really good balance to it as well. And 
from a defensive standpoint, this is the best pass defense that Tennessee has faced. I mean, they are Tennessee is has run into some really you know favorable matchups. Obviously, the Alabama matchup they deserve so much credit for what they did to a Nick Saban secondary, but. This, this Kentucky pass defense is no joke. And we saw that against Mississippi State, what they were able to do against Will Rogers. Obviously, Tennessee's going to try and do some different things to them. But I think it's tricky. I would not be surprised if Kentucky has a fourth-quarter lead. Tennessee's got to rally back. And if this game was decided by, like, three points, and Tennessee is just lucky to survive this one, I'm surprised the spread is at 12 points. And I realize that Kentucky hasn't beat an AP top five team on the road since the Jimmy Carter administration, but I still think that Kentucky's going to have a chance to make this a 60-minute game. And, Connor, now I want to bring it out back over to the SEC West. Uh, you've got a couple teams, and one of them, and I'm, we're going to start trending a little bit toward uh, Auburn with some of our questions here, but uh, there's a couple coaches in the SEC West that have just, their teams have not performed up to what you would think they should this year. That's Jimbo Fisher, Brian Harson. I know y'all talked about this on your podcast earlier today, and I want to ask you a question. Who do you think has a better chance of turning this season uh, more positively, Jimbo or Brian? Brian Harson, man, that's a, a scene out of the above. Uh, look, <laughs> uh, I'll, you guys, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, I would not be putting a lot of faith in either of these coaches just because, and, and that, that's a cop-out answer. So I'll, I'll take Auburn as the answer. I, I understand you know, who's listening to this, um, but I'll, I'll say Auburn just because at least you have a, a tank, big speed, dark quest hunter, one, two punch, that you saw some good things from in that old Miss game. And Robbie Ashford, as frustrating as he has been at times, you kind of wonder, all right, maybe he's turning the corner a little bit. I think Auburn would have really benefited from not having that bye week. That was a poorly timed bye week, the way that the schedule set up for them with the things that they finally did well in the second half of that game. So there's a little bit more promise there. The problem, of course, is Auburn can't stop the run to save its life. And this will lead us into the Arkansas game here. But I I worry about that moving forward. And I worry about a very thin defensive front, not having those guys to be able to rotate in and out. You know, Derek Hall and Owen Papo, these guys that have just been worn thin with the the task that they've been asked to do. So I think that that Auburn has a better chance of turning it around than an A&M team that has eight consecutive games in which they have failed to hit 25 points against Power 5 competition. So, yeah, neither neither fan base is probably feeling very good about the, the immediate and long-term future of their programs. Connor O'Gara is here with us on Sports Call today. You could follow him on Twitter, at CJ O'Gara. So, as we talk about this Auburn football team coming off of the bye week, Arkansas now on the schedule for the Tigers, a home game inside Jordan-Hare Stadium. What do Auburn fans need to know about this Arkansas squad? How do you see this one playing out? I think this team is uh, similar to last year in that the way that they're going to try and beat you is mainly with that ground attack. K.J. Jefferson, Rocket Sanders, uh, they have been one of the better one-two punches in all of college football. When they're rolling like they were before the bye against BYU, it is fun to watch. Now, the question that I have about this Arkansas offense is the passing game. We finally saw KJ work the middle of the field and trust those receivers and be able to make some plays with his arm in the way that he needs to to play at a high level. And that's what can kind of change this defense. Now, I think you could be one-dimensional against Auburn. Uh, Ole Miss showed that, 448 rushing yards, 69 carries, three different guys go over 100 yards. That says you can be one-dimensional. But I think that Arkansas has so many issues on the back end 
that if I'm Robbie Ashford, I'm taking some chances. I'm letting it fly. I'm not just going to settle for the check down every single time. I'm going to trust that I can maybe bust one or two big plays in the passing game and know that I need to keep my eyes upfield because that's where they have their bust. And if you can, you know, it's one thing to run away from a Drew Sanders or something like that, but you've got to be able to take some chances downfield. That's where they have really struggled after the Jalen Catalan injury in the season opener. And then, Connor, looking at, you know, the, you got the Arkansas game this weekend, and then the Tigers go on the road to Mississippi State, host uh, Texas A&M, host Western Kentucky, and then the Iron Bowl to finish out the year. When you look at this, uh, this, this slate of games, Brian Harson was asked the same question earlier in the week, so I want to ask you, uh, and you, you kind of went, we went, kind of went there with the, the Jimbo Fisher, but what is your prediction for how Auburn finishes the season? I had a feeling that question was coming. Yeah. And I'm, look, um, man, this one is pivotal. This one is so pivotal for, for bowl eligibility. Because if I'm predicting today, I'm saying five and seven because I got Arkansas winning this football game. Because I don't think they win that game at Mississippi State. I know they've fallen on some hard times, but I still think that's a good football team. And the Zach Arnett defense is really solid and kind of underappreciated. You feel good about their chances against Western Kentucky. But the A&M one is the great unknown, man. Like, that, that to me is, is a game in which you, you'll see, all right, who has more guys that have announced that they're going to enter the transfer portal? That, that's what that's going to come down to. It's so hard to break that game down because I look at that the schedule the way that it sets up right now, and I say Mississippi State, lost. Alabama lost, and you know that you need to go three and two just to reach bowl eligibility. That makes that Arkansas game this weekend so pivotal moving forward. But yeah, I mean, we'll kind of wait and see the way that this plays out with guys entering the transfer portal. That's the difference between the year 2022 as opposed to the year 2019 with how these things can fall apart for teams down the stretch. It just feels like we're tr- uh, trending in a direction and it's felt this way for quite some time. It's no secret that there could be a coaching change uh, coming for the Auburn Tigers at the conclusion of the season, Connor. And so two years, the tenure for Brian Harson uh, leading the Auburn program. We were looking at it and, and kind of going through recent SEC head coaches in memory. And we're, we're pretty certain the last SEC head coach that only lasted two years on the oh, job man. out of spot was uh, our dear Joe Moorhead. I know it. You know what? We always find a way to bring them up, man. I appreciate that. I, you know, I stand for my guy. I do. <laughs> I only bring him up in the best possible context. You know, it's, it's worth remembering. Everybody was watching Syracuse last weekend, that game against Clemson. Jared Schrader, Joe Moorhead. Product. That's right. I'm just saying. Like, people forget that. It was like 10 years ago, but <laughs> he is indeed a Joe Moorhead product. Look, I think that... You know, you could look at that in two different ways. Like Chad Morris as well, a two-year guy, not even a two-year guy technically because they fired him before that. But I, I look at, at, at that as kind of like if you, if you have a hard and fast rule, you're probably wrong about it because look at Arkansas. What if Arkansas had kept on to Chad Morris for another two years and said, ah, you know what, we need to give him four years. He inherited kind of a rough situation. It's the SEC West. No, 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 no. Cut bait if the guy isn't right. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that necessarily. Now, with my guy Joe Moorhead, they were way too quick. And that, that to me, was a raw deal that he got. He's going to be back on top coaching a Power 5 program in due time. But, yeah, the Brian Harson situation, it looks like it's gone from bad to worse. And the issue is they don't have any sort of answers in sight. And I think that's what ultimately it's is undoing. Let's get you out of here, Connor. But before you go, I'm, I'm going to set you up. for. Do you have any controversial Halloween takes that you want to fire off and then we'll let you get out of here before you uh, feel the backlash from it? 
Yes, I do. Um, so I don't think that anybody actually gets the king size or full size candy bars. I don't think anybody gets them. I, I think people talk about this friend that got them from this specific house, but I need firsthand accounts of you getting that full size Snickers bar. I need that. Otherwise, I'm of the belief that this isn't really a thing. This is just a thing that your kid, you know, an eight-year-old kid when you're, you know, in second grade or whatever, and that kid, Andrew, who's in your class that brags about everything, he's kind of one-up you all the time. I think he just brings this up to make himself feel better, and nobody actually does this. It's not a real thing. I would love to experience it. If I'm wrong, I'll admit it. But I have never experienced it, and it's only been hearsay. I don't think the full-size candy bar thing for trick-or-treat really exists. <laughs> uh, get out of here before it gets too crazy, man. That was exactly what we were looking for. Connor, thanks so much for the time, and we'll talk again soon, okay? Absolutely. Appreciate it, guys. <laughs>